that we're having to reach out to people like me, like I'm a long ranger, I got this, you know. That's a trauma response to you, by the way. But it's a perfect time to reach out to friends, to let people hold you, to accept gifts. Hey, can you make me dinner? And these are things I feel like there's a hidden blessing of COVID is that we're learning to come together in a way that we have not ever done it in a cooperative way. Welcome to the pursuit of wealth, where the H is surrounded by abundance. Today, we welcome you with open arms, an open heart, and an open mind to what is going to be a wonderful conversation. We have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Tana G. Marie. She is a biodynamic breathwork facilitator and trauma recovery coach who is on a mission to help women feel safe in their bodies and empowered in the world. She integrates her expertise in breathwork, myofascial release, somatics, and coaching to help her clients identify and release blockages on a core level, inviting freedom, confidence, and full expression. In her free time, Tana loves hosting women's circles and geeking out on neuroscience. I do believe there is a caveat to cats in there as well, but we can get to that later. So welcome, Tana. Welcome to the pursuit of wealth. We're so grateful that you took time out of your day today to join us in what we, we believe will be a very tantalizing conversation in all areas that you work in. So tell us, what is trauma recovery? What does What is that? Can you define that for us a little bit more? Well, I'd thank you for having me. I'd love to go back just a step if you wouldn't mind. Sure, not hmm. at all. What is trauma? Because it's, hmm. it's sort of a big, scary word. And I, I, I have had the reaction of, uh oh, I'm, I'm going to shy away from that. We have this impression that trauma has to be a, a severe accident or physical or sexual abuse. That's common, what we think of when we think of trauma. But trauma is, trauma is so common. Almost every one of us has experienced some trauma. Trauma will live on in the body and the nervous system if it, the cycle is not completed. Um, and I'll go more into that in a minute if, if, if I can. But so trauma can be a fall off of your bike. Trauma can be bullying in the classroom, in the schoolyard. Trauma can be um, abusive words or, or neglect. Um, everyone, almost everyone I meet has some sort of trauma. And what we don't understand often in our, in our culture is that it's not just a physical injury that causes trauma. There is an emotional system reaction when we have a threat, a perceived threat, we will go into activation, we will brace for it. And then in the wild, the animals will run, they'll release that energy and or they'll freeze. But when it's over, the threat is over, they shake it off, they run, they expel the energy. So we don't have an opportunity most of the time to expel this, to complete this cycle. So the trauma stays in our body. That looks like guarded uh, emotional, guarded emotions. As you might know some people who are just, they seem rigid, right? It's in their body too. As I was a massage therapist, I was noticing these people, their trauma was literally in their tissues. They wanted deep, deep tissue, but they wouldn't let me in. They had this posture of fear of guarding and they were literally, they looked like they were kind of turned to stone, unfortunately. So my my work in trauma recovery is to unravel 
these layers of trauma to help women especially um, get free from these restrictions they might not even know they have. They're in the body, but they're also limiting behaviors, beliefs, um, patterns that end up blocking us. So my work is sort of a peeling of an onion of all of these restrictions so people can live with more expression, more freedom. You know, this idea of trauma, if you asked me four years ago, I would have rejected the term because I thought if I said that I had a traumatic background, that it would erase the love and kindness or anything else that I had experienced without understanding that they can all exist and they do ex and they did exist. Right. And so I was brought to the first, you know, speaking about this trauma and how it lives in the body, I was told, or I was, I was, you know, guided to read um, a book by Bessel van der Kook, 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 The Body Keeps Score. Yes. And that I actually had to stop reading it about halfway through. This was like three years ago. I'm sure if I read it now, I'd have a much different response. But a lot of it was really this, this visceral response that I was experiencing, reading about the trauma and how it, it truly has shaped sort of myself in my life. And to the point where you could actually physically see on me when I was having a trauma response, because my face would get a very deep, deep red, and I would be completely dysregulated. Mm -hmm. But asked me four years ago, I couldn't have identified that for you. But now that I can. And so it's very interesting what you speak of is like I said, it speaks directly to me in my own personal journey. And surely, I wish I knew you three, four years ago, I probably could have saved myself a lot of <laughs> a lot of work but anyways it's 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 such a beautiful thing and and so you know when this idea that the body sort of keeps score is exactly what you're saying is it yes and and i think in my work as a massage therapist it showed up in women more often when women are are smaller their bodies are smaller they don't have as much um musculature or or adipose tissue fat right so they were literally I saw in their bodies was a bracing and um when we studied my training in breathwork and biodynamic breathwork we studied Wilhelm Reich and he actually postulates that you have a specific posture pattern in your body based on the trauma you had the age that it happened and the type of trauma that it happened and he has all these horribly psychotic like psychopath masochist like the kind of terrible terminology but it will tell you where in your body that you store this trauma and it literally becomes something you can see in another person so that's why this work is so powerful yeah absolutely and when you're talking about the women i wonder too if there might be and i'll ask you this question but childbirth for sure. Childbirth is very traumatic, even in the best of circumstances, right? Definitely. I had a very traumatic experience with my childbirth that I probably should at some point work with. And it, it, my child was healthy, and, but it didn't take away my experience, which was health. For sure. I, I mean, kudos to you women who do that. That's an extraordinary feat for anyone. <laughs> I've been in the personal development field for I don't know, 25 years. It's mostly been of the cognitive realm. When I started working with the body, I understood what that means. That is uh, pretty much being taken over by emotional states. 
one minute you're going, you're like, okay, I got to do this, you know, business proposal, whatever. The next minute you're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos and you don't know why, right? You can't move forward or you are just revving and anxious. And, and it's basically your nervous system when it has trauma that I was explaining earlier that doesn't get released, it gets trapped. And so a lot of times this couples with early childhood trauma where your parents were meant to model soothing behaviors and they didn't. So you, what happens is you come out as an adult and you really don't understand the emotions flowing through you. They might be stuck. They might come on suddenly and you don't know how to self-soothe. So the work of the breath that I do brings people into the body. We give people techniques to manage your states. And that is, that is, um, that's so exciting for me because it's so powerful and all these labels we give ourselves lazy. I wish I could do it. I, you know, some of the psychological OCD, I'm not diminishing them, but sometimes that's trauma that someone doesn't know how to process that we can work with. Yeah. I would say that also, it sounds like it comes from awareness as well and recognizing and embracing that awareness that we do have trauma and that we can deal with it. Um, I mean, that's why AA is so popular, because it is the outlet of a group gathering together to recognize that we have a problem and that we need to deal with it through 12 steps. Um, there's so many questions that I want to ask you. <laughs> um, I know you're mentioning with your body work. Was there like an important moment in your life that set you on this path if you're looking back at your life was it an event like a trauma event and you're like I want to work with this I want to work through it and I want this to become my life or was it a little more gradual um, and just certain signs that the universe has been giving you to eventually work with your clients that you have now well, I don't think you have enough time in that podcast, but I'll try to <laughs> I'll try to keep it like, you know, condensed. I grew up in a cornfield in Illinois and I was the the wild child, the emotional one, very conservative parents and this was the 70s. I'm going to date myself. There wasn't any woo-woo stuff. So, you know, my mother would call me an out of place flower child and I feel like it's been the journey of my life to find the hippies, to find the conscious people, to move to California. Um it's basically answer to your question, trying to resolve my own experiences, feeling unwanted, having a brother who was um, compared to me, you know, genius brother. And it was my own wounding, uh, particularly my mother wound. And I went about moving to California and, and Los Angeles, say what you want about it. It is a playground for anything you wanna learn, do, see, experience, try so many personal development seminars and I was like a kid in a candy shop yes let me try this let me try that and I did them all and um the really the defining moment it was it was cumulative healing but it was like I understood it I analyzed it I could tell you all about it I was at a plateau until I discovered a breathwork seminar in 2018 and I mm -hmm. sat in there and they basically had prompt you to unravel all of your walls and sit raw in front of another person and be in your body. That was the first time I think I was ever in my body. And so that pretty much uh, sparked a curiosity for all things neuroscience and trauma. And I became obsessed because I started bringing it to the table. These presence practices, these breath works, these 
uh, myofascial release trainings where you sit quietly with the body and wait for the nervous system to release. And they were transforming the lives of my clients. So from that, it was just, I, I got my focus narrowed down and I'm just in this tiny little bullseye now. So thank goodness. When we look at ourselves as a society, I mean, do you see how disconnected we truly are? I mean, there's so much out there that keeps us disconnected that we as a society have to work harder to get connected. And so I have been section hiking with my partner, the Appalachian Trail. And I share this conversation with a gentleman because when you are out on this trail, everything is okay. And the people that you meet, we share a bond because we're out there enduring something together and it's nature, you know? And so I've never met people in this way when I'm out on the trail and it's truly just an uplifting experience. But this gentleman said to me, do you feel like most people enter the trail because of trauma or baggage? I said, absolutely, because we're not running away from something. We're trying to get to ourselves. Wow. That, that makes me like cry. That's amazing. Yeah, but right, like that's how I see it. You know, when you enter the Appalachian Trail, whether you're doing it from Maine or to Georgia or Georgia to Maine, you're stepping foot on the troubles of everyone else. But as you walk, it's almost like the footsteps become less and less because you're not there to win a race. I can't say this for all, but for most that I've seen, they're doing it to connect with themselves. Right. I was going to say, you can't do that without being in your body. Right. Well, and, and this is start out that way. This is a question I have because for people listening, I mean, saying, you know, it's the first time I was in my body. I haven't been in my body. And I get that. I don't think I'm all the way there yet. Um, although I have had those experiences, but I mean, what does that mean for somebody who's thinking, oh, this is like getting out there? Cause it isn't, yeah, yeah. I mean, it isn't. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, for me, we, there is a term for it. It's called dissociation, but it's basically checking out. So back to the science of it, when, when a person, a body is unable to escape trauma, our body can't run. And this is the case a lot of times when we were a child, we can't run away from what's happening to us, especially with sexual abuse. Um, our body will protect ourselves by checking out. So that will be pretending you're somewhere else, visualizing. Um, I used to go into the TV. So ties back to what we're about to talk about, right? Something to preoccupy your mind when your body is there. Um, and so I do believe as a society, we are so checked out and, and it's sort of the American way, right? It's, it's, it's encouraged almost. And I feel like the introduction of the television, it was in so many ways, um, a, a, I don't want to say a service. Bad, yeah, just service. Because we stopped talking to each other. We, they used to sit around listening to the radio in big groups of families and talking to each other. And now it is so common for the typical American to come home from work and turn on the TV and, and, and crack a beer. And what are you doing? You're in the world of the television, but you're not thinking about what, are, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? You're, you're drinking alcohol or uh, beer or wine. You're, you're taking yourself 
further away from what's happening so you don't have to think about your problems or your experiences. So, you know, the trauma starts and then we have all of these societal things. Let me work 80 hours a week and never take a vacation and 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 watch the television and and um, you know, spend hours and hours and hours a day in these virtual worlds not really connecting with ourselves or each other. And then we have people who don't have any experience of their body. And so you, you probably live in your head. You're busy, busy, uh, always anxious, got to figure everything out. And when's the last time you noticed, oh, my heart's beating fast, or I have anxiety in my stomach. And this is the work I do. This is what I mean bringing into the body. <clears throat> At the slightest uh, hint of something uncomfortable when I was, quote, dissociated, I just check out. I'd go somewhere else. I'd daydream. And that's what I mean by not being in the body. You're not resourced with your own power. And also you get really affected by whatever everyone else is doing around you because you don't have any sense of self. Yeah. And you don't have those boundaries. You don't know how to protect your, protect that energy from, from coming in. Right. Yeah. I'm super super sensitive. I'm super empathic. So any energetic Mm -hmm. stuff in the world would come right in because I didn't know where I ended and someone else began. And so when you're sourced within, when you're full, you're not as affected, you're not as blown over because you're embodied. And that even just goes to our interpersonal relationships, right? And how traumatic they can be collectively, whether it is with our kids or our spouses and partners and whatnot, you know, because we are putting that off so to speak, you know, because we're not becoming one with ourselves. And I mean, for instance, you know, if you have a partner or have a child or, or what have you, when was the last time you just sat in silence? Yes. Silence is a big, scary thing for us in this country. We just don't do it. We don't have any capacity for it because mm-hmm. then you're going to think about what you think and feel. Right. Right. And absolutely. Those I know people, people, sorry, people, Julie, go ahead. I was going to say people's idea of getting out in nature is going with their earbuds in and listening to music and ignoring the, the tree. And I've been guilty of that from time to time. You know, when I was training for marathons, I needed something to distract me because I didn't want to be in my body at that point. I didn't want to have to think about my muscles or whatever. Yeah. But I, we, we haven't, great word. We haven't had a TV and I haven't had a TV in 20 years. And people say, oh my God, what do you do? <laughs> well, yeah. we do watch movies and there are, there are nights when we'll pull up Amazon Prime and just say, look, I, I can't have a conversation today. I'm, my brain is too tired and that's cool. But for the most part, you know, you read, you talk to each other, you go for a walk, you play with the dog, you work in the garden, you do a project, whatever. And there's a, a, tons of stuff you can do without a TV, but people don't, that is a scary thought. I have a couple of relatives who have a TV in every room in the house. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to put this out there, Julian. Sorry if I'm putting you on the spot, but you probably also have a great sex life. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Definitely better communication, you know, and right. the, the yeah, fosters all of that. You're talking about the Pacific Coast Trail. A lot of those, a lot of people in the world are not up for that because they're going to feel the pain in their body and they don't right. want to feel that. So. Right. Absolutely. And you feel that coming out of you. I cry a lot when I hike. I'm don't yeah. care. I'll cry those tears. I'm a big crier. That's how I release, but I will cry because it's appropriate. 
and I'm releasing whatever needs to be released. And it's all okay. Right. Nothing bad will happen. And I think that that's the other piece of it too. Not that we're, you know, continuing down this road of hiking, but when you can walk out into the world and become so small, and that's how I view it. Nature is so big. Nature does not give a shit that you want to hike. Nature will rain on you. Nature will be disgustingly humid on you. It will have mosquitoes. It will have bears. It will have, nature doesn't care about you. And I think being open to that is the most beautiful experience. I enter the trail and I say, may the trail before me be filled with white light and I will accept whatever comes my way. And then I go with my backpack and that's it. Whatever's in there is enough. It's such a perfect metaphor because a lot of us, it's not just to several things you said, it, you know, we're not connected to each other ourselves, but also the world around us. So I do a lot of, uh, you know, woo woo stuff that looks like go collect stuff with texture or go rub the bark of a tree or go look at the birds. And cause we're just not in our senses either. We, we're just checked out like, Oh, it's, it's not in on Twitter, then it doesn't matter. Right. So there's a connection you mentioned of being one with our surroundings and nature is such a beautiful teacher Mm. and the other thing you mentioned that I wanted to just jump in on is the release right we not only do we stuff our feelings down we don't allow ourselves to release so so many beautiful ways to release crying um, moving the body singing uh, you know all of these breathing all of these things we're not versed in because we're not taught what like our idea of releasing something is drink a beer. Right. So that's not even a release. That's a hide. Right. Right. It's right. a freeze. That's, yeah. That's like, let's not show up. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you do that and it becomes stuck in your body, all of the emotion becomes turned in on yourself and you are sort of held it in. I'd like to mention something that's been on, well, everyone's mind, but my mind in particularly is Dealing with COVID, um, for many of the doctors and nurses that had to, in the past year and a half, deal with so much death, um, so much unknowing, and so many families, uh, trauma stories, painful stories, myself included, my father is dying currently from COVID. Um, I want you to really reflect on that since it's topical and what you would, or, or if you have anyone that you've worked with, I'm sure you have, in the response and I guess creating more empathy, but also creating a sense of moving forward and releasing that trauma with gratitude, with compassion. We're all, we were, I was just saying earlier, we're going through a global collective trauma. Like I don't think any of us in our generation have ever lived through, you know, I think the last time would have been probably World War II, right? That everyone on the planet was dealing with a collective trauma. And um, I just want to put out there, I'm not perfect. I, I, you know, I don't want you to get the impression I sit around and like just breathe all day. I eat Cheetos in the bathtub some days when I just can't deal. You can do the best you can, right? Tana, just for the record, you do breathe all day. Just not the way (laughs) you're talking about. Right. You're right. Um, But yeah, so what I've been doing um, to uh, Johnny is my response to COVID has been to offer programs where people get quiet and they are in nature and they are sourced. We do specific breathing techniques. So anytime you can be with what's happening, 
even if that's just to sit quietly or cry or journal or just here's what's happening and it sucks, but can I sit with it? Can I be with it? And like we're talking about a lot of people, they just don't want to do it. They want to check out. So, Mm -hmm. but that's going to stay with them the more they push it away. So the more you can be with, do you know what I mean by be with? Just instead of sit with it, think about it, be upset about it, find the gratitude in it. And support is so important now. Uh, we're having to reach out and people like me, like I'm a long ranger. I got this, you know, that's a trauma response to you, by the way, but it's a perfect time to reach out to friends, to let people hold you, to accept gifts. Hey, can you make me dinner? And these are things I feel like there's a hidden blessing of COVID is that we're learning to come together in a way that we have not ever done it in a cooperative way. And even this podcast is, is proof of that, right? You're bringing people around the world to support each other. So um, you have compassion, self-compassion, sitting with and, and support, whatever that looks like to you. Yeah, and I think, I think some people worry that they're gonna get stuck in this downward spiral of emotion. And, you know, ask me how I think about that because it's, <laughs> it's, it's been a legitimate fear of mine because I have had periods where I just am like, I just, how far down is it going to go? When, how am I going to come back? You know, what do I do? But again, I think those are because we're avoiding the feelings and they're just pulling us down. If we would just look at them and then let them go, we, you know, we'd bounce back up a lot quicker, but I mean, we aren't taught how to deal with those things. We're not, you know, don't, don't let them see you cry. Right. Right. Especially with men, right. Men don't cry. Boys don't cry. Don't do it. Right. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's really a beautiful um, thing to point out is that we're afraid of our emotions because we're not used to them. And we do feel like it's going to overtake us. And we don't maybe not know how to regulate our nervous system. But the more we express through our words, through our writings, through our body, the more we're going to get used to the emotions. And they are meant to be fluid. They're supposed to move through you. But it is definitely a process. You're not just going to be like, oh, blow the lid off of it. So that's why if you have, you know, therapy or somatic practices or breathwork training, these are all professionals who will help you process this and work with your nervous system. And you don't do it all at once. You do it in tiny little pieces. So, yeah. That's great, Tana, because that speaks to exactly what we were talking about in the last podcast. And, you know, it's this 1%. It's really the tagline of our podcast, right? It's just become 1% better. Throw out this all or nothing because it's just about being 1% better. Feel one feeling today. Yeah. And then you'll get used to feeling two feelings. Yeah. And three feelings. And, you know, I think that this is wonderful because just to be honest, from a personal standpoint, this speaks to everything that I'm going through and have gone through in my journey, like truly. And just to go back to COVID for a second, I can tell you and this may come off a little crass and I apologize, but I think you'll understand after I'm finished. I loved COVID. Now, why did I love COVID? Not because of the illness, the sickness, because it slowed people down because it brought us back to each other because you know what? I've always been outside. I think you've kind of gotten, I have this nature bug about me. When I was outside, the trails were filled. They were filled and I loved it. I loved sharing that experience with people who have never probably experienced it before. 
But unfortunately now what I'm witnessing is COVID has sort of diminished in its, not in its, you know, not in the illness standpoint, but from a societal standpoint, it's sort of just in the back of our minds, but now we're allowed to do more things, right? And now there's less people outside. And that is unfortunate to me. I was, that was the best year of my life in so many ways. And I, I did, I don't diminish the suffering. I felt it. It was terrible. My heart ached for humanity and the birds came out. The sky was bluer in Los Angeles than I've seen in 20 years. And, and it was quiet. And what I want to say about that is I believe normal, especially in a city like Los Angeles is toxic. We're mm. not meant to run around Mach 4 20 hours a day and everyone's just so in traffic and and just about the boiling point and covid was just a you know like you cropped us at everyone with weed everybody's chilled out and just mellow and that <laughs> right. nervous system was able to be like <sighs> and it was and, thanking and, us yeah right. the waters around venice were clear the dolphins yeah. came into play uh, I russia where I, near where i live is one of the top 10 worst air quality cities because there's so much manufacturing here we could see yeah. all of the mountains and individual trees that we see from our terrace yeah i mean the nature said okay i've got this yeah and we were meant to live in harmony with nature that's i believe one of my soapboxes is why we're all so uh, miserable in this world is because we're not living in harmony with the earth we're meant to i think no, that's, you're i think to that's it off the earth yeah, and that's uh, where a lot of issues. I said we're trying to profit off of the earth. I mean, we're doing it successfully, but not to a healthy standpoint. And Mother Nature, she's kicking our ass back. She's yeah. she's letting us know there's always yeah. a balancing act. That's one of the reasons why I I am somewhat envious of Johnny and where you live because of the sense of community and you know that you have that all around. Um, that the animals are out and wandering and, and yeah, your horses mountain are running up and down the street dogs are doing their own thing <laughs> yeah. it's a different world from where I live right now right well and I think Tana to your point right and to Julie your point right we exist in this ideal idea of idea not idea of control yes nature should be controlled mm. I have a perfect backyard squirrels be gone chipmunks be gone moles be gone birds oh no the birds bring all the other things birds be gone there was somebody that i was talking to yesterday that said oh the, we were talking about the mosquitoes because we've had so much rain but the mosquitoes are like monster mosquitoes they're not even your average mosquitoes and that's fine we've had so much rain the nature is beautiful we have mosquitoes it's fine that's what we have to deal with and she said oh well you know the gentleman next door sprayed his entire backyard and somebody else was like, oh, I really need to do that. And she looked at me and she said, but then there's no butterflies. Oh my God, that makes me so sad. Right? So just think about that. For every one thing that we try to control about nature, you're losing five, seven, ten other pieces of it. Mm -hmm. For what? For vanity? To make you more comfortable? That doesn't sit well with me. That's not how I live. Yeah. So when are we, when are we moving to this tiny little sustainable community in the, in the forest? Tana, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> I, I hope that what comes out of COVID and, and I know some people, you know, they went right back because they didn't want to, they didn't want this, but a lot of us woke up and said, no, 
Mm -hmm. It's a line in the sand. We were not meant to live like this crazy life that we have. And normal is crazy. And want to be in touch with each other. We want to create, we want to collaborate, we want to empower, we want to be with others in a more profound way. And I do believe that's why people like us are stepping up now is to offer that model, that door, that service to, to come home to ourselves and what we want to be, do. Just going back to, um, if I may, when you speak of childhood trauma, I find, but you're the expert here, that most of our trauma resides within our childhood and how things were modeled to us. And I know for myself, I had a hard time accepting that because again, I thought it meant something negative without being open to the fact that no, here I am, I'm 38, I'm doing all this childhood work and I can confidently say, this is why I react the way that I do. It's a response to trauma. It doesn't mean my mom or my parents were bad. They did the best with what they had at the time, with what they knew. That's all you can ask. But I do believe everything we're walking around with now is a product of our childhood. Is that, do you find that? What do you feel about that? So the original wounding of our childhood is really what sets us up. It's like the foundation. So that is your, um, your core wound and it sets up a pattern of how you see yourself in the world. <clears throat> so yes, you know, most of the time, whatever starts in childhood and and we have to understand that trauma is passed down through generations. Your mother did what her mother did and what her mother did. And also pathologies like alcoholism. So really you could have a great childhood and your mother just was, had her own stuff that she was dealing with. Right. Um, if I lost my train of thought. So, yeah. Does the trauma just build through our lives with different experiences and kind of there's that core root or the root of it and then it models some of our behaviors maybe how we process or don't process our emotions I mean I know I've had things happen to me in my adulthood that were definitely traumatic um, mm -hmm. so I can't mm -hmm. say those were the you know that goes back to childhood but mm -hmm. do our thought patterns or our behaviors have kind of a connectedness to how that ends up happening Right. So your brain trauma actually will affect your neural pathways, how your brain is wired. It also affects the development. If it's severe enough, a, a brain will look like a traumatic injury. They've put scans up of childhood abuse and neglect with a, uh, you know, a severe motorcycle accident. They look similar. It's traumatic brain injury. It'll affect the biological development of your brain if it's severe enough. So you can't really make a generalization. What you can generalize is the way when you're developing as a young child, it's the way you see the world, the way you see yourself, the way you see others. So it affects all of your interactions. Okay. And then you could have an adult trauma, like a car accident that will, that will affect you later, or it will, it could trigger something from the past. A lot of times we'll react to something like somebody will tell us something and we'll have a huge reaction that doesn't seem worthy of what just happened. It's because it triggered an experience from our past, for sure. Probably happened to all of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Suddenly, so, about the, just talking about that brought it back. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, you're like that six-year-old. You're like, you took my cookie, and your roommate's like, "What are you talking about?" Just, you know. <laughs> that definitely has happened to me more than once. Uh, I was eating. We have these small bowls that that we like. They're personal bowls, not like American size big salad bowls that we can eat. Yeah, I was eating my soup. I, my wife was wanting to get something of mine. I was like, "No, no, it's mine." 
you're not taking it she got mad at me like yes i want what's mine you can have yours i think it was probably because uh you know i never got enough cake when i was young i don't know exactly it's like i don't know if you guys saw that movie the office space where that that guy was (laughs) And there's there's no more cake, and he was always the one that didn't get the cake. Milton, so. right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> then his stapler, <laughs> the one with the red mm. stapler. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll revert to childhood in those moments, and we'll we'll use the child's language. <laughs> is it a swing line? Yes, it has to be the swing line. It is a red swing line. That was a gift <laughs> for me, and because that's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Awesome. And Julie does have 15 pieces of flair, if not 20. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I want to just say that this is a heavy topic and, you know, I love the neuroscience of it, but it doesn't always have to be um, excruciating, right? And heavy. It can be, I, I have more fun in my body. I have more intimacy now. I have more connection. I have more laughter, more joy because there's when you release all the stuck energy you have this vitality come back mm, and absolutely my my work is like like we said you're not going to just lift the lid off and feel every emotion you've ever felt for 20 years that would destroy somebody so we do it in little pieces and um you know we laugh and do silly things so i it, i don't want people to be run off by the word trauma or the heaviness of it no but but May I ask you, so if I came to you, let's say three, four years ago, and I knew about your work and I said, you know, Tana, I'm, I'm stuck. You know, I have all these feelings. I'm having these visceral responses. I'm reacting to people poorly. I'm not representing my insides don't match my outsides. Mm-hmm. You know, perhaps you could just take us through, you know, of course, without you know, obviously there'd be a lot more intimate and, you know, vulnerable discussions, but, you know, just hearing what you know, you know, how would you guide me through that? Right. So right now I have sort of different modalities I work with people in, and I'm also starting to combine them. So would be depending on which entry point you're looking for. Sometimes I do this work on the table, the massage table, and Mm -hmm. it looks like a massage, but we're going to be holding in different places and being with pain spots and emotions coming up. Uh, Sometimes it's just straight coaching now and and like I said now I'm putting together a program called embodiment that's sort of putting all those things together so we work with practices like noticing your surroundings noticing your senses what do you see what do you smell what do you taste what do you what are you aware of and then we work with practices of being in the body what am I noticing in my body what am I feeling and then we bring in movement and at the same time we're pairing um emotions that are coming up and working with them and and tracking the my wife tried to take my bowl of cereal to what happened as a child that made that response so visceral right so we're sort of putting all the pieces together in a body-centered way yeah when when the student is ready the teacher appears (laughs) yeah so we're developing awareness of the external like we said we're we're checking out of the virtual world and into the real world we're developing uh, awareness of the internal. That's the uh, part that has largely been lost in so many people. And we're giving tools to move energy, move emotions. That's through the body, through vocalization. And we are bringing inquiry around how do I show up and maybe why. And we're exploring 
these things tiny bits at a time. We're expanding the capacity to be in a situation without going into a activated state. Uh, you said that you've explored quite a few modalities and different practices, both body is what you're talking about today, but where my interest uh, sometimes lies even more is with the soul, with the spirit, with Reiki, with key energy. Do you deal with that or do you have a circle of influence where that also affects your practice? Because my goodness, if our chi is stuck, then that will be a sign in our body. If our chakra is stuck, either from our heart, our crown chakra, or our root chakra, which many of us are, have a <laughs> cross root chakra. Mm -hmm. Are you able to work through that as well? Definitely. I, I've studied so many energy modalities. I'm a Reiki master. Um, I, I began channeling when I started doing Reiki. So what how I use that now is I will use it as a um, diagnostic more often what's happening in the body and figuring out where the energy is stuck. And then, and also um, through inquiry, I will use the channeling like, oh, this is what I kind of have a, a sense that what comes up. And I've been coupling a little of this energy work with um, chakra, chakra work. I have a, mm -hmm. a pelvic grounding seminar that I do where we bring movement to the pelvis and work with that energy to free it up right so dabble a little bit in that um and it's really powerful because you said it's on a mind body level and, and and the breath is really the access point to working with the nervous system in the energy field I find so yes yes to all of that like I said, I'm just learning. I have all these trainings and I, I, I know what the focus is and I'm just, how in the world do I put all of this together? And it looks a little bizarre right now because sometimes we'll crawl around the floor, you know, barking or doing lion roar. Like, and, and, you know, sometimes we're sitting quietly and sometimes we're breathing and kicking and it's just, it's so out of the box, but it's, it's fun and it's pretty transformative in my opinion. Just being open to yeah the transformation right yeah. now tana if somebody wants to work with you say in massachusetts i'm just wondering is there a virtual component that that is available so i'm doing all my work online right now with the exception right. of uh, a little bit of body work here in los angeles so i do zoom sessions and i found that the work translates beautifully when when i'm directing you to uh what i would normally do is touch we're doing self-touch so I'll be showing you how to release the muscles, which is also something I bring into the, the work. So it's all Zoom based. That's great. And I think another another gratitude we owe to COVID. Yes. Yeah. That Zoom is A-OK -okay and it's really opened up the work for all four of us here. Mm -hmm. I really shifted my whole business. I was just doing massage in Los Angeles and running all over the city and, and COVID hit and I, well, shit, OK. <laughs> sat at home for three months and thought, okay, well, I don't think this is coming back anytime soon. What can I do? And so I just started bringing people together in women's circles and it was so powerful just to show up for someone else. I had the privilege of being in one of those women's circles and it really was transformative for me. If I didn't have so many other things going on and that's no excuse, but I would still be doing it. Yeah. Met yeah. some amazing women there and just had it such a great experience. Thank you, Jules. Well, pleasure, pleasure having you. Now, yeah, Tana, it's just really does translate. 
Yeah. Well, when you talk about breath work, and as you all know, that's something that I'm very passionate about as well. And I believe that there's a direct interplay right between our nervous system, the vagus nerve, you know, whatever, they all speak to each other via the breath. Mm -hmm. And what I find is our breath brings us back to ourselves. And the way that I speak, this is we're all on this planet and we all are looking for some form of control in one way or another. And when we say control, I often find it to be a rigid word, but I don't mean it in the sense of controlling another or, or, you know, controlling a situation. But when things are happening around us, we seek the control. And what I always say is that the control is in your breath because it helps you show up the way you want to. If there's nothing else, you have the power to change how you might react or how you might show up just by the breath. Do you identify with that? Absolutely. And I know you share the, I don't know what your training is, but I know you you share breath training. And I, sometimes I will just, you know, I'll, I'll give this to your listeners. Sometimes I will just say, think of the ocean, think of the tide. It goes in, it goes out, it goes in, it goes out. And you don't have to do anything. And it's so regular. And that feels like a beacon of hope in this crazy world where often it feels like everything's out of control. So the breath is really an opportunity. This is what I can control. The world can be swirling around me, but I can find peace within. Because it brings you back to yourself. Mm. Yeah. That's really the only thing we have control over anyway. I agree with you. (laughs) Easier said, I know. Of course. (laughs) But the more that we try, and this is what I always say too, it's laying those neural pathways so you don't have to try so hard the next time. And the next time it's becoming more automatic for us. So you have to put in a little bit of the work. You have to. That's why we call it a practice. Right, right. Things aren't just going to change automatically or, you know, you can't just sit and expect things to change around you. That's not how, that's not how the world works, right? We have to show up for ourselves before we show up for anybody else. Yeah. Well, and look at like professional athletes, how many times they do do drills over and over and over and over and over until they don't, I mean, they still do them even in professional levels, but it's because that repetition is so important. Mm -hmm. It's because those, you know, that practice is so important. So, yeah, I know breathing is something we just do, but it's also something we can practice. Yeah, the one thing that I've taken with me that I incorporate all the time, I don't always use all my all my tools, right? Some of us are guilty of this, like, I know what to do, I'm just not doing it. But the thing that I do consistently is if something is feeling overwhelming, or just like in a state of, I want to just go eat everything in the fridge or do something like that, I will sit quietly and I'll turn everything off and I'll just notice, just be with. And just that stilling will reset your nervous system to a calmer state. Yeah, no, no specific nice. breathing necessary. Just, just exist. Yeah. yeah. I've done that just in the grass. Yes. Just in the grass when I've been really not feeling, you know, again, I'll just go lay in the grass, unencumbered, look up at the sky and just exist. And then you're connecting with the electromagnetic field of the earth and that's a whole other healing technique. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's one of my, um, one of my resources all the time. I call it time with mother. I love it. That's yeah. beautiful. 
Our neighbors think I'm I'm bizarre and Ian too because a lot of times we'll go out and we'll sit on the on the grass, we'll play with the dog or lay on the grass with the dog and they're kind of like they're probably like these Americans and these Brits, man, when they get together, they do some weird things. That's what I always say when like me and my partner are doing something, you know, that we'll be out hiking and whatever. I'm probably like, I always am joking. I'm always like, they probably are just like, oh, lesbians are so weird. <laughs> wow. Sitting on the grass is a revolutionary thing. I, I don't know if I could hang there. Right. But it seems funny, but like, People are probably perceiving that. Maybe they're not using the label, but you know, it's just, it's funny sometimes when I'm like, yeah, they're probably just like, lesbians are so weird. We're just sitting on the grass or like, we're just hiking together. Oh, so weird. <laughs> so if somebody did want to work with you, um, where can they find you? So uh, my website is tanagmarie.com. And I also, uh, that is my handle at, at uh, Instagram as well. And then, um, gosh, you guys have my Facebook link. I don't remember it because it has too many words. It's okay. We'll post everything in the show notes as well. I have a, I have a women's only Facebook community. That is the place I'm most active with right now. And um, also my website is a way to find me. So is it completely no boys allowed or is it just encouraged? I do do trauma work with individual um, men. But I find that when I'm doing a group container, the level of intimacy we uh, that I'm committed to is better with a women only because a lot of women feel more comfortable mm -hmm. with women only, especially if we're dealing with people who had sexual trauma or something like that. And I think, you know, this is something that keeps coming up within our podcast, but I feel like for the women now, it's this total universal shift where women need to, I shouldn't say need, that's a very bold word, but they should start showing up for themselves and this idea of self-care, not being selfish. And, you know, we had somebody else on the podcast who was training for a marathon. And just to give you an idea that, you know, they were saying, will you just leave your family? You leave your husband and your kid for four hours and go train. She's like, well, my husband goes golfing twice a week. Right. Right. But yet that's okay. But we are in a society where the women have to constantly show up for their families, for, for the whomever, right? And they often neglect themselves. And so I love that there's these little places for women to come and unravel because I'm here, I'm a woman, I have a family and it's, it's not often where you feel free to unravel. Yeah, and that's perfect description for the word ideal. And I really believe that this in time and in space is the rise of the divine feminine. That's what spirit has been channeling through me since the get-go of March, 2020, is this is a time for us to step into our power. And not that men are gonna be thrown by the wayside. They're gonna be incorporated. They're gonna honor our power and our wisdom. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women right now are redefining themselves. They're like, okay, I did it society's way. I raised the kids, I did the corporate job and now F that. I'm gonna do what I came to this earth to do. And we, we need support in that. So I love that we are, that's part of my mission is to empower women in that way. Your three ingredients to quality of life. If you were to give your essence, give that recipe to someone else, what would those three key ingredients be? That is a hard question. Quality of life. I don't know if I can generalize that. For me, it would be nature, nature, coffee. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I think connection, I'm gonna try to generalize. Connection, Cinnamon. resource, yeah. and expression maybe. Hmm. I think quality of life is when you, when you are filling your shoes, what you came here to, to express, to create, to be, to say, to do. And finding that is a beautiful thing and it's not easy for some of us. I think all of us can point on. <laughs> yeah. It takes a long time to realize it. Yeah. Ah, it was good for me. It's a tiny house in the forest. That's what I'm looking forward to. Living in yeah. a, there, but like 10 miles away. No, I, I'm out of LA, but living in accord with Mother Earth and, and in community, that's what I'm looking for, for quality of life and still being able to do the work I do without being bound by a location. Katana will be I'll there make... and Tiffany will be there and Johnny will be there. I'll make my way. Yeah. And I'm just going to point this out because you know how I am, but we have a Julia, Johnny, and now we have two T's. Usually I'm just surrounded by J's. So thank you, Tana. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. You guys Thank are you for the balance. <laughs> I love it too because you guys are both on the same side of the pictures, and yeah, Johnny and I are on the same side, at least on my screen. I think I, this sounds really cliche, but I think the journey home to yourself is really rewarding. It's, it seems like it can be like a lot of work, but so worth it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, I'll just leave you with this is you're looking at me I'm 51 and I have a hair full of gray hair and that was a that was directly came out of this work that I've done is um I you know I just posted a picture of my old self on my website the other day just for illustration I was so miserable and disembodied and I couldn't stand who I was and I was hiding behind my brown hair that was woefully dyed and pitifully you know obvious and I just couldn't be I couldn't I couldn't be with myself and through this journey this work I was like all right here we go let's just embrace who I am and embrace what is I'm gray I didn't want it to be right how many times do we we think well no I can't deal with that but mm. you have no control over some things I have no control of the fact that my hair is gray and so I could fight against it or I could accept it and that was a one and a half year kick-ass kicking and screaming drag your body behind i'm not doing it uh tantrum that ultimately i'm a hum completely different human being and i i don't love this all the time but i'm i'm rocking it i'm like here i am you're totally me. rocking it yeah you're showing up for I yourself like and not hiding behind something else and i'll tell you i could not have been on a video camera earlier with with yeah without doing the work that i've done and showing up for others. So it's, it's worth it, you know, and you don't have to fight so hard, but that's uniquely me. <laughs> so right. I had to make it a, a drag out battle. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So Tana, before we, before we end here, is there any fun fact or something that nobody knows about you? Something, something for you to share. You get to choose. <laughs> um, well, I was a, A judo master. A what? A judo master. Uh, <laughs> a judo no. black belt. 
No, I'll say the, I don't know, the most maybe unique thing about me, which may not be all that surprising, is at the age of 36, I decided to put my life in a storage locker and go muck around South America for a solo backpack trip for 10 months. And I went around the entire continent and uh, I volunteered with monkeys and stayed in the rainforest. And uh, I'll say that 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 really enlivens me. So sometimes I just bug out and it's usually involving monkeys and a volunteer vacation somewhere across the globe did it again in 2018 in South Africa. So uh, that's kind You're of- working your way across to Southeast Asia. <laughs> it keeps coming. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, make your way to Thailand. There's that's plenty of monkeys. Do. Don't, it's on my list. So yeah, Italy, Thailand. <laughs> so I'm pretty mm-hmm. much a global nomad. Uh, that's something that's unique about me. Tana, thank you so very much for coming on our show today and speaking to us as vulnerably as you have and sharing your work and in all of it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel, I feel alive. Mm. I feel very energetic with myself. So thank you. You you have a way with it, even just talking about it. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. And and I, I enjoyed every single one of you. And I'm so excited that you're giving this platform of different modalities of healing and offering that because it's so needed right now. And, uh, such a service and thank you for bringing the fun to it this podcast was produced by julie tiffany and myself keep updated for the latest deep health nutritious conversations if you're already successful in the health and well-being industry a coach practitioner trainer and other related career passions with a thriving business and have an interesting story we'd love to hear from you 